Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name's Dulta Doherty, and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to investors, advisors, entrepreneurs, and recruiters who are based all over the world, and we'll be discussing how to set up, scale, and operate a world-class recruitment company. So fresh off the successful trip we had to New York, which the content will be coming out this week coming, we had our Brighton event and all that stuff is getting prepared at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm in the, I've just hired another assistant to help me with the marketing so I can take that off Charlotte's plate and point her at the next thing in our business that needs fixed. So delighted to have my wife back in the business who is a very efficient person, um, which I might not be. So great to have her back and thank God for it. So what is going on? We are having our next event in London on April 11th and we're having Toby Babb and Carla Raffold speak about the American market and why it's an exciting place to be doing business right now. And we're going to cover a lot of other stuff that we've done. They've both been on the podcast before, so check out the interviews I did with both of them. Um, and I'll probably go through some of their founder journey in person as well. Um, both great characters. And uh, why I'm mentioning this now is we have probably about 10 tickets left um, for people who want to come and see it. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, just come, watch how the podcast is done, uh, say hi to us, say hi to the guys. And, uh, and yeah, it'd be great to meet anybody that's listening in London. I'll send an email out and uh, a LinkedIn post out. But if you're interested, just drop me a line on LinkedIn and, uh, and we'll get you in there. So today's guest is David Phelan. He is a managing partner at an executive search firm that have been acquired by Morgan McKinley. And he is been in there for a few years now, worked his way up, came from a contingency-based background. So we had a good chat about the differences of contingent-based recruitment and what it's like to work in executive search. It's an area that I don't know a lot about, um, but I'm fascinated to learn more about it. I'd like to be able to eventually bring my own business into being much more retained once I figure out how to deliver better. Um. So, uh, great chat, great guy, and we are excited to get over to Dublin in July so we can we can catch up with him and all the other recruitment founders that we've had on the podcast. And hopefully we can do a bit of content over there next. And, uh, and yeah, so that's all that's going on with us. Hope you enjoy the podcast with David. Really appreciate his time for coming on. And, and I'm excited about the weekend. The sun is shining for the first time in what feels like a long time. So I'm sure you guys are all enjoying it as well. All right, over to David. Take care and happy hunting. David Phelan, how are you? I'm not too bad yourself. Not too bad at all. I just had a wee cheeky gym session midday, so I'm all pumped and ready to go. 
Good, 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 good. I wish I could say the same, but I've been uh, stuck at a desk and eating bad food, so I'm, uh, I can't say I'm being as healthy as you are. All right. Um, but I hope you're making more money than me then, so... <laughs> Look, we'll see, we'll see. Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. Always love getting an Irish man on board. Are you based in Dublin? I am, I am. Based in the city centre. And I see you studied before getting into recruitment entrepreneurship, eh? I did. I did for I, all my sins. I did a post grad on that. I don't. I don't think I learned anything. If I'm honest, <laughs> I always you? say. I always say the my my best learning experience for for work in general, and I think it stood to me when going into the business we're in is uh, I worked in a shop for four years, just a local news agents, and uh, and the learning from that in terms of dealing with customers and uh, building relationships mm-hmm. and uh, just the the day to day working of a of a simple small business like that uh, has probably stood to me more than any of the study I did over the the, the four years doing that entrepreneurship degree. I can I can relate to that. When I was doing my master's in entrepreneurship, um, I was uh, I was also having a good time in Brussels. My parents were living there, and I was working in Irish bars and running a nightclub at one stage, and it felt like I was living at night at the time. But but a large part of what I was doing, in in hindsight now, it, I was watching people, watching how people were interacting, how pe- how small businesses were running and getting to speak to people who are working in all walks of life. And I just always found I was fascinated by what other people were doing for a living. So one thing led to another, and I got into this wonderful industry. How did you manage to get in? Uh, I got in because I was looking for a job and, and applied for something on Monster or Job Study or something along these kind of lines. And I thought consultant sounds like a grandiose title. And applied for applied for the role, and when I got called about the um, about the job, I had to Google what recruitment consultant did. I had absolutely no idea. I just applied for for a job. It was back in uh, back at the beginning of the recession times. So yeah, I was uh, going to ask you. Like, I mean, I was I was in Australia then in recruitment, and it was easy. It was it was drinking coffee in the sunshine, meeting your mates, mate crack like slamming in deals so that's all it was um but you were in recession ireland what was what was that like as, as a first professional job i can't, can't imagine it was pretty i mean i suppose i didn't know any different because i i i, I i'd kind of come out of uh come out of college and um and come into the recruitment business and of course there were plenty of colleagues around me who had been through some phenomenal times in the years leading up to that and all mm-hmm. of a sudden were crashed down rock bottom so I suppose you're coming in with, uh, you know, the 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 organisation probably having uh, a low expectation in terms of um, what was required. So yeah. being being um, getting stuck in there, you're kind of just expecting that it's just tough, and that's just the way it is. Um, and it was probably not a bad time to come in because you were coming in where nothing was easy, and you had to fight for everything, and you had to be different and know your market. Uh, who, who were you calling? Who was I calling? Uh, I, I mean, at the time, my focus was 
on uh, FMCG and kind of consumer goods. So it was all the, you know, I was doing, you know, sales roles and marketing roles and category management roles. So it was all the, the big brands, you know, your, your Kellogg's, your Dr. Rucker, your Diageo. Um, and they still had, had turnover. So they're still... Yeah, of course they did. There, yeah. People know. still need their cornflakes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And some people, thought somebody has to sell it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. imagine though, it wouldn't have been just you who was calling them. Like, if 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 the FMCG market survives in a recession, is everybody not after that? Yeah, I mean, look, it was it was incredibly competitive. I suppose my the stance I took was, uh, I come into it from out of an entrepreneurial degree. I was very much of the mindset of being massively energetic and hungry, and suppose I I took to it like a bit of a geek for for the whole. Uh, the whole consumer industry, you know, my my now wife, we'd be in the supermarket and there'd be me assessing, you know, which brands were getting on which shelves and uh, and essentially, you know, she's necessarily she stayed with you through that nerdy time culture. in your life, did you? Uh, God love her. I don't know how she, how she stuck with me, <laughs> but, um, but were yeah, you a contingent recruiter like, at the start? Yes, yeah. So I, I was contingent recruiter for uh, about four years. Yeah. Okay. Um, at the start so look I, I really enjoyed it but i i was probably one of those um i was i was what you'd probably call a, a middle of the road recruiter um why was that well because i i, I probably i probably you know when you see high billing when you come across high billing recruiters um they they don't have the luxury of spending a huge amount of time being massively consultative or, uh, you know, really getting to getting out there, networking, getting to know their industry, doing a lot of research, because you just have to move through the volumes to a certain extent. You know, you've got to get the volumes up on the board and you've got to be working on a certain number of roles in order to get a certain amount of placements, etc. from that. Uh, And I was probably just too slow, being honest. Mm. You know, I I probably took too much time procrastinating and trying to trying to fill every job instead of you know where the high billers were which was you know just yeah where's the percentage where's the percentage win here how can you do it exactly exactly yeah exactly that's how my brain works (laughs) so that's (laughs) although i don't have the billings to to back it up anymore uh, look the top the top uh, the top contingent billers they you know they know where they're going to make the the easy quick fees um they're more into saying wanting to where they where they can get them quick and easy rather than get the biggest fees or you know do the most in-depth role mapping the market it's it's just about filling jobs um of course filling jobs means doing a good job for your your clients getting repeat back work back and not having to spend a huge amount of time constantly having to bd new clients and spending too long long on assignments so mm. it ends up that being that what require what requires you to be really good as a continuing recruiter was actually the complete opposite to really what was needed on on the retain side. Okay, so you you got you then moved to was was your next job in retained recruitment? Yeah, so then then you know I suppose it was within within a continuing business I was in. We what is uh, what does a research person do in a in a business like that? Well, actually, we that was where the shift came. I suppose we I moved from being a, a you know consultant in a contingent side to within the same business moving into a research role focused on retained work. 
uh, in that business. So, uh, you know, research is essentially um, a, a chunk of what a contingent recruiter does. So the research element is it's, um, you know, the LinkedIn searching, you know, um, posting roles up, the, you know, reaching out to candidates, uh, producing the market maps and essentially supporting the partners um, or the consultants in the retained business who are spending more of their time doing the business development, relationship management and uh, and assessing candidates and selecting shortlists and all that kind of good stuff. Mm. Okay. So, so the, the, there's no great degree. Did that not feel like a bit of a step back after doing two, two years of doing everything that all of a sudden you're, your 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 reason for being is to feed the more senior person um yeah, look i suppose yeah you're 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 peeling back elements of of what you did you're going from 360 to doing 180 you know mm. and um you're peeling it back but you have to, you have to map you know rather than contacting candidates that are maybe you know just the, the best people for the role or just the people you know or the people on your database you know, you could be researching and having to get 200, 300 um, profiles together and then whittling mm. that down to, you know, the best five or six. So there was still a huge journey in that. It was a big learning. But ultimately, where, where I jumped at it was, it was the opportunity to work at a more senior level, uh, to interact with a different level of stakeholder. Mm. Um, and, and I suppose you had to, I realized that I had to get into that learning position in order to uh better understand what it was because I, I was probably totally naive. I definitely was totally naive at that stage um, in my view of what search was. I would have thought at the time coming from the contingent side is they just charge differently. You know, they, they mm. get payments up front. They get to work on really senior stuff. Um, it's all very exciting and, um, you know, and, and the money rolls in. So uh, I, what I had underestimated was the level of process, the level of service and what a client requires from you. Uh, Talk to me about what that process looks like and how that differs because I think in there's a certain process that the biggest search firms have to, the Augster Bernsteins and, and that, that they have to follow to mm -hmm. be considered search in the US. I, what, what, does that look, what does that look like? How does that differentiate from like i don't know a, a michael page or a robert mm, walters mm, who'd mm. be a high-end contingency mm. yeah look our, our our process is is probably close to you know an Audrey bernston or a corvair or, or any of the big search firms because i suppose that's an amount of just clients expect that as part of mm. the service i mean how it differs is um is in a couple of ways you know one is just the level of research input um it's, uh, you know, they, they expect continuous updates of research reports, market maps. You're giving them industry insights. Um, you are essentially, rather than asking them for uh, job specs and, um, you know, to, to, to give you insights on, on, you know, what's best for your organization, you're very much solution orientated. It's more focused on where's your business, what's the strategic uh, impact that this individual will have on your business what are you trying to achieve what's the current business situation 
And then essentially you do a huge amount of research, researching the market, who are all the individuals, candidates, organizations that are in this space. Um, you're doing your, you know, a lot of psychometric testing, a lot of screening at, at our stage before it goes to a client. Um, we, um, we do assessments in terms of profiles, et cetera, on the individuals. And yeah. then we bring it down to hopefully kind of four or five in terms of a short list. Um, and at yeah, times we'll also interview the candidates with the client. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. I used to do a bit of that as well. Um, the the market mapping piece is interesting to me. The, mm. Are there any are there any tools that you use that keep track of that? Like, because because now effectively with with LinkedIn and that, like we you could do that quite quickly once you kind mm. of have your like. Is, is there is there software that you use to to be able to do that yeah so there's um there's a specialist software you know we've obviously moved, moving into the world of gdpr now so uh, it's even more important to kind of have specialist software mm. to track all of that stuff so you can do to a certain extent obviously you know in the linkedin element of of your research obviously a lot of our stuff is at a c-suite level so the research also you know, research websites, etc., or forums where you know leadership are are listed there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're partially compiling your your LinkedIn lists on LinkedIn, but essentially, when you move them through a process, um, you need a, a system to be able to do that. So uh, we've just recently uh, taken on a, a new system, actually called Cluen, which is a US system, and it's purpose built for executive search. So mm-hmm. it means that um, you're continuously tracking. The individuals as they move through a process and how you're assessing them or what assessment stage they're at mm. um, are, are you using data or anything to yeah. do that yeah so so what this system does is it allows us to actually pump out data which is what the clients ultimately uh, often will look for so as we're moving through the process it depends on what the client's agenda is they might want you know a certain industry mix they want might look for a certain type of diversity agenda that they might have in terms of the search that we're performing, mm-hmm. um, and so they'll look for data and analytics on all of that. So, so we'll pull all of that to provide that to clients and assess it ourselves to make sure we're hitting the the KPIs or the milestones that are set for the search. Do you think retained search could be done on, on the junior end as well as the senior end? It could be, and and you know sometimes we are we are asked by clients who uh, work with us at the senior end and say, you know, we'd, we'd love if you could do the same thing at a more junior level. I mean, one of, one of the challenges with that in terms of uh, reaching out to candidates, specifically if you're reaching out to candidates at, on LinkedIn, is um, it's very difficult for, to get high response rates. Much is the same as it's very hard to get high response rate in the contingent world, contacting a lot of candidates, um, because they're, you know, that kind of mid-management level, let's say, is bombarded these days on LinkedIn. I mean, the amount of contacts and emails they're getting from companies and recruiters, especially if they're an area that's in high demand. Um, so we find that the response rates and the quality and the value add um, is better at a more senior level. Um, that's and interesting, also, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the re- reality of, of for us is, and we say this to our clients all the time, is retained search is not better than contingent recruitment. It's, it's completely dependent on uh, what's the role, what's your timelines, what do you want from this, um, 
and you know you have to obviously compare the cost as well so and what would the cost cases, difference be well the cost difference i mean you know obviously in terms of a payment schedule it's very different because because the client is essentially firstly taking you on an exclusive basis and uh, and thirdly secondly they're they're retaining you so they're they're paying a certain amount up front they're paying a, a, a an, another amount when you have uh, delivered a shortlist, either delivered a shortlist or after 30 days. Um, and then the final amount is on is on the completion. So, so a third, a third, a third. A third, a third, a third. Um, and Typically 10% each bump, is it? Uh, totally depends. So yeah. um, so it totally depends. Look, like, like any contingent business, um, you're going to negotiate with a client based on the volume that they they work with you on or the nature of the search. You know? Yeah. If a client's looking for something that's in depth, EMEA, um, uh, with a specific position, we we look at it in terms of our research costs and our you know how, what's it going to cost us, what what's our estimated timeline to get this done. If it's you know a senior C-suite role that's you know total global search and it's going to take huge amount of effort um, and it's going to be a long search and a long process then obviously our costs are going to go up um, so we need to make commercial call on, on on how we're going to negotiate on that I've, uh, I've had a few people on the podcast who are search experts and yes. I can see a lot of the a lot of the successful people moving to search over the next 10 years and um, more so when you know people are able to use data and they're able to talent pool properly and become that authority in their niche and i like i can see the best people will be retained by their clients and i can see more and more contingent people making that transition over mm. one of the things that came across in, in my conversation with two of the most impressive people i've i've spoken to was that they are giving 12 month guarantees on their placement for executive search mm. um and they're doing that with the view that they're able to embed themselves in the business a little bit so that, you know, they go there, they get, it's guaranteed that they go there, they get an update, they, they, they're part of that person's first year induction and into the business. So they're, they're, they're there almost in a consultative manner mm -hmm. um, to, to make that happen and they're using different tools to, to to do that but that's allowed them to really get a seat at the table what mm. what, what do you think about that the the level of uh, of guarantee that should be offered um you know again like, like whose responsibility do you see it after a certain point of time um you know uh, you've, you've got to balance that one up too in terms of the clients that we're working with um some clients here you you'll, you'll probably if you know them well enough and you've got an ongoing relationship you, you know you might be more open to a longer term guarantee i mean ultimately we would take a similar view in terms of you know partnering for the longer term and we probably spend just as much time uh, having conversations and working with our clients and advising our clients when we are not working on an active search as we do when they give us a piece of work to, to actively work on. Mm. Um, so we're constantly working with them in terms of um, advising them on their value proposition as an employer, what the mark, what's happening in the market, um, how they can improve potential retention of the candidates that they have on board. And so and a huge element of, of, ensuring let's say um the longevity of the employees you take on and ensuring that they're going to be successful over the the kind of you know three six twelve twenty four months in the business is 
is the level of constant contact you keep with the client, with the candidate, um, but also the work that you do before you hire for the role. So uh, a lot of people in the search business will talk about um, not necessarily their success in placing roles because there's a natural um, requirement or expectation that that retained search firm is going to place all roles. Um, it's more so uh, people will talk about the tenure of the individuals that they place in the business and that they haven't had, uh, you know, race long term and being successful. Mm. Um, so, look, we, we take quite a benign view if a client was to come to us after um, after uh, a long period of time, regardless of what our terms say, uh, and say, look, we need you to help and support us on this. It hasn't worked out for X, Y, Z reasons. Um, we we take a longer term view as well in terms of, you know, being a, a business that they'll continue to use, not just for one or two years or a number of positions, but, you know, five, 10 years on into the future. How competitive is the Dublin market in search right now? It's incredibly competitive. How many, uh, how many search firms would there be? Uh, there are... You know, full retained search firms. Um, there's probably, um, you know, five five search firms that I can think of off the top of my head doing doing full search. Mm. Uh, there's, um, you know, maybe ten other kind of individuals, whether it's maybe one or two individuals on their own working in a niche market. Yeah, and then there's the branded contingent firms to make them look like they're search firms. Yeah, and they tend to do twenty percent of their work as retained exclusive and kind of brand themselves as search yeah and and they scrap they scrape away at market yeah as well right but there, there you know there's there's uh there's a place for for those businesses too you know mm. um um you know a, a business that uh, an organization that wants to engage in that you know level of of process let's say a, a contingent business who often do a fantastic job and retain them or take them on exclusively that's a that's an that's an incredible market you know it's it's a bigger market probably most likely longer term than the pure pure high level search market but yeah. an organization that wants a full search offering a full search firm will come to a, a full search firm and they generally tend to know what it is they'll tend to know pretty quickly in your conversation uh, you know if it looks and quacks like a duck um, and ultimately the proof is in the pudding in terms of your de- in terms of your delivery and what you deliver to the clients in terms of your your product or your service why is it so hard to find recruiters in the Dublin market right now um, it's hard because there's so much growth to be totally honest you know we're, we're at full employment um, the Dublin market has a huge amount of tech companies who have a huge amount of salespeople and um, a lot of those salespeople in these tech companies have a background in recruitment because it's, you know, recruitment naturally is a great proving ground for being um, autonomous and, you know, being driven, being used to KPIs, you know, good relationship management. Uh, And tech companies have caught on pretty quickly to the fact that, you know, we can come in here, we can get these people who have got a great basis for being salespeople in our, our, our market. So, you know, the, the, the biggest, it seems like the biggest um, competition to recruitment, uh, contingent recruiters specifically um, for talent is actually the tech companies. 
Yeah, and not just internal roles to be salespeople for them as well. Absolutely, right? absolutely, predominantly to actually for sale for to be salespeople and um, take on account executive or account management roles, um, and you know obviously what they what these large organisations can offer, particularly for your young recruiters, is you know the meals, you know the 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 kind of casual dress, the you know they'll likely be able to give higher basics. Um, you know, a lot of the kind of bells and whistles that come with it. So it's very difficult for, you know, an Irish, your, your, your average Irish recruitment agency that might have anything from, you know, 10 to 10 to 50 people from a cost perspective to be able to um, compete with that. Yeah, I know. I, I, and I find it when there's people say to me, you know, like keep an eye out for anybody who's coming home. Mm-hmm. And I always say to them, by the time they come home, they're ready for Google or Facebook. They're not ready for you. Yeah. Like that, the, the offering's very hard. Um, there seems to be like a big gap in that in that talent market, and you think it's because of that specifically, but maybe it's also because Dublin's so so expensive, and so people from like there's tons of talent in the country, right? Yeah. But it, there seems to be a hesitance to set up regional offices in in other locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, it's um. It's uh, well, look, an element of the, the hesitance for the re- regional location piece is is when you when you actually are there face to face with your clients in Dublin and they are telling um, they're telling a, a recruitment agency who's, let's say, based in uh, down the country and, and this company is based in Dublin. And they're saying, look, uh, you know, we we want an agency who's based here, who's close to us, who can be here at any moment. Now, us in the recruitment industry are well aware of the fact, and, and you know, you do it all the time in terms of recruiting overseas, that um, you know, an agency does not necessarily have to be in Dublin to do a phenomenal job in recruiting for people in Dublin. Um, but there's maybe an element of optics or um, whatever it is. You know, a lot of clients just feel like they they'll go for whoever is is closest to them. Yeah, yeah America's America's like the opposite, you know. They, uh, they pe- people just like they 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 put up offices in LA and in New York, but that's just to attract the recruiters to go there. You know, they're they do, uh, yeah. they're doing they're doing they're doing countrywide stuff, but it's a it's a it's a market that fascinates me. But you've got a lot. So uh, you uh, you've kind of worked your way into a senior position with uh, with a create now. Yeah, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Accreate, yeah. Accreate. Um, what's, that, what's that experience been like for you? Like coming from like, this is what I love about recruitment, you know, you, like because you were in research for, for head of research for two and a half years and now yeah. you're a managing partner. So you got to kind of go right up the food chain within a relatively like short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's that like? Like what's your day-to-day like now compared to what it was when you started out? uh couldn't be more couldn't be more different to be honest um no look it's been it's been a very steep uh yeah it's been a sweet steep trajectory but it's a steep learning curve and i i suppose uh even now in the role i'm in now it's it's it continues you know the learning never never stops and you know you're still still always finding new ways to improve the business and uh and do things that little bit better and maybe optimize your time i mean at the moment um i you know, it's very difficult to uh, to say exactly what I do because on a day to day basis, um, I could be in 
involved in totally different aspects of the business you know whether it's you know you're you're sitting down working on your brand your propositions what you're actually delivering to your clients how we can optimize our process what we're doing in terms of business development marketing events um you know our business is is also uh, a part and and linked with the morgan mckinley group um so there is a you know an an interaction group in terms of the group's overall strategy and you know how we may be able can be able to to play a part in that um and uh, be of value to the overall group and and also leverage some value that the overall group might have for us yeah would they ever would they ever say hey we've got got a recruiter who's not really suited to contingent do you want to maybe have a look at them uh or is everybody after their own pnl Look, I to be fair, the the culture is pretty good, so everyone is pretty open, and, and there's no no the leadership team are are precious. Let's say if you know if there's opportunities for their people, they're totally open, um, uh, which is a, a, a really positive. But uh, look, I guess the the we're absolutely always open to that. I guess the the nature of the beast is that it isn't. It's probably rarer that uh, you get. Um, recruiters on the t- contingent side that are a really good fit for our business. Um, some of it comes down to the length of the sales cycle and the length. So, you know, I remember one of the things I, I used to somewhat enjoy about the contingency side was the little wins, you know, the little wins of, you know, every, every week getting jobs on, getting great CVs in, you know, getting a placement on a regular basis, etc. cetera. Um, the little wins are further and fewer between. You've got to really enjoy just the day-to-day of being deep in an industry, being deep in gathering knowledge on your industry sector and, and really being uh, someone that your clients can contact and, and gain knowledge from on what's happening within the industry. Um, so it's, it's, it's very difficult to make a, a perfect transition over. Um, it's very difficult, but um, but can can you usually spot the ones that are suitable to it, or yeah, or... you know, and 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 it mo- might be most likely that initially they they might really suit a you know a research type role where they really love they might not be you know massively interested in the uh, business development element of things, but they might really enjoy the sourcing and the speaking to candidates and that side of things. Um, so there's there's an opportunity there. Others might be they really love getting out and doing the business development, but they're not crazy on the resourcing side. And, and is it a is it maybe a, a a transition like is like because it's obviously not the same as internal recruitment, but if somebody maybe feels the burn of the agency's the contingent side, is it is search a good option for them? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know, there's an element of. Um, it's there's a huge element of um it's your it's the way you work it's the way it's what you what's your focus on what where do you want to get to um and how do you interact with your clients ultimately if my when when we're looking to take people in um my first question my first judgment is not is this person a high biller um it's my, what's, your pro- what's your process it's what's your process yeah. uh how do you engage you know, is this someone that I'm going to be comfortable putting in front of, you know, someone at a C-suite level that they're going to be comfortable um, 
being asked difficult high level questions um, mm. you know you're you're looking at someone that that ultimately can perform much like you'd expect you yeah. know any director I was ex- I was trained exactly like moment. that in Robert Walters you know but I I think maybe I was quite lucky just in terms of the level of management that I had above me yeah um, I can't speak for for all contingent but the that's where I've always been like what is the what is the actual difference you know mm. like mm. is is it just the market mapping? Is that the is that the key bit? Are you using any data? Are you like, like, I get the processes a bit more. I, it just just is it the level? Is it the level of attention? Like it's it's hard for me to kind of grasp it because I've I've kind of only seen it in terms of being in the same building, but not. Yeah not ran the process myself you know yeah no look the the value the number the number one value in search just like the number one value in any kind of you know professional services company a big four firm or a law firm is it's the individuals and it's it's the individuals that you have in your business the knowledge that they have of the clients of their industry of the market have and i mean that's that's number one and number two and ultimately, for any client, and it doesn't matter whether it's in contingent or or search world, um, they value most delivery, high level of delivery, and, to a certainty. You know, to a certainty. I mean, we we literally will deliver on every single role, and that's not hamming it really? up. That that's an expectation of every search firm. You have to. Mm. Um, you know, they're they're paying you up front. You are. Um, they're very much committed to you. They're giving a huge amount of their time. And they tend to give a lot more time to you than they would normally give to a contingent process. Yeah. You're engaging with senior stakeholders. You have to deliver. And clients are willing to um, to go retained and pay premium in order to get a true advisor who advises them on, you know, oftentimes we'll be brought into a conversation before they even decide on what role they're going to hire or how they're going to go about hiring. Mm. In, in the contingent world, I was always just given a spec. You know, yeah. can you search for this role? A seat we're, at the table, hey? That's, yes. Look, we're going in having a conversation saying, you know, what are your challenges? What are you trying to achieve? Here's our advice and recommendations um, on how you potentially go about that. Here's advice on your competitors, your brand, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it goes, to a, it goes to a much deeper and larger level. It's, it's very, it's, you know, it's very difficult to put it into a black and white of we give them this document or we give them this piece of data or we give them X, Y, Z. And that's the major difference. That's an element of it. But the massive value is not a market map. You know, anyone who puts the funds and the time into it can do a huge amount of research and get a list of names together. Yeah, It's, it's who are those names? Why did you choose those names? And what's the value add that you bring to our business before, during and after we hire? Yeah, do you know what? I wish I uh, wish I could deliver like that. It's uh, I'm I run a business that's exactly the opposite. I'm afraid. Um, we get called all the time, all day. Will can we retain you to do this? Can we, I'm like, look, I, I I can't take a retainer because I can't actually deliver. I might be able to give you one person throughout the year. We have a platform, but we're dealing with recruiters, and yeah. it it's just impossible. It's just impossible. But. Uh, yeah. I've said, as I said, look, as I've said, to, I've talked to a lot of continual recruiters in the Dublin market who have kind of asked that question. You know, I'd love to get into the into a retained space. I'd love to do executive search. I see there's a big opportunity or 
business owners of contingent recruitment companies in in Dublin who are growing and doing quite well and they've kind of said look we're thinking we might go into the retained search space and as I've said as I said to them and it's not a case of me saying I don't want competition but it, it's a fast way if you're not if you if you're not confident and know exactly what you're going to do to deliver and have the network it's a really quick way to to lose money because mm-hmm. it's really time consuming you're not getting the, the quick wins. Your sales process just to get a roll on could be two, three months rather than potentially a phone call. Um, and, you know, there isn't the same volume in the market. And there's a huge pressure to deliver because if you don't deliver, that word spreads really, really quickly. Mm. And, um, and, and you can ultimately fall out of favor quite quickly if you're not delivering. So given that, is it is it almost better to hire a professional from a sector rather than a recruiter yeah at times i would say yeah you know at least at least you can always teach a professional i mean look rec- the recruitment process is in any business is not it, it's often overcomplicated by people it's not massively complex it's a process you stick to the process you do your a's b c's you'll you, you know you, you can you can recruit the real challenge and the real um, difficulty for any recruitment business at any level is, do you have someone who's able to develop business, engage with clients and find who is the best talent for this role? Not just matching keywords and a job spec, but I really understand what the business is actually trying to achieve by hiring this individual. Sure. Um, and that's where you see, you know, often people say, God, how did that person get that job? You know, they see it on LinkedIn and, on LinkedIn, it might look like they put someone really bizarre into a role. But what really happened there was the organization hasn't just married up a job title or an organization they worked in. They've married up someone who maybe has a different type of background, but can ultimately deliver the solution that, that the organization is looking for with that individual. Um, so someone coming from an industry background may very quickly be able to get to the nub of what's the solution, what does this company need in order to succeed um, and do well with this person they want to bring into the business. And the recruitment process, we've got, we've got, we've got a research team, we've got experienced recruiters. They can, they can manage that side of things and they can coach around that side of things. That's, more the, that's the easier element to be able to handle. All right, David. David, we are coming to Dublin, I think, sometime in june or july but i'll give you the details but i'm gonna i'm gonna be holding a bit of an event for recruitment founders there yeah and uh, i'll get a few speakers and it'd be great to get you along and uh and meet you in person yeah sounds brilliant i look look forward to it Uh, look forward to catching you up with you finally and putting a face to the name yeah good man all right thanks for coming on and uh we'll uh we'll speak again soon and uh because i really want to pick your brain um on uh how to do rec direct and exec search it's something i've never done absolutely look there's a i can tell you firsthand there's a good market in it if you can uh if you can uh if you can figure out your your niche in it there's a huge market in in that i know from other search businesses that i'm always talking to in irish market in the london market it's a big challenge for them too so um happy to happy to talk to you about that when you're you're here in june deadly all right, all right. Dave, take care the thank you you too bye-bye
Massive thank you to David for coming on the podcast. Love getting Irish guests on the podcast. I love hearing about the Dublin market. I should be doing more work there. Um, we have about 20 clients, all the best recruitment firms, and every one of them are asking me for people all the time. And I just, it just hasn't been a focus area. I haven't had enough time and enough structure to the way our business works right now. But luckily, as I mentioned, my wife is back in the business now. We're hiring people. We're going to be able to drive, hopefully, a bit more success towards the Dublin market. And I really want to get more work done there. So if you are in Dublin and you want to have a chat about career opportunities, please do hit me up. And if you're a founder there, hit me up as well because I want to get over in July and do replicate what we did in New York and do a docu-series with the best recruitment firms and really just partner with the, the, the up-and-coming founders there and get an insight into what it's like over there. So have a great weekend, guys, and thank you for listening.